I have come here to chew bubblegum and kick ass. And I'm all out of bubblegum! Astral Radio Z is a horror, cult, exploitation film podcast by filmmakers, critics, musicians, journalists, and fans for the film obsessed. Here is your host, Derek Terry. Folks, don't let it ever be said that Mark the Movie Man isn't insatiable. <laughs> because let me tell you, after we did the turkey challenge, and if you are a voracious listener of Astro Radio Z, only a few episodes ago, we did an episode on Todd Sheets' vampire film, Dominion. Mark the Movie Man is taking a more active role in dictating some of the episodes that are happening here on Astro Radio Z. Now, I think I have a full-blown Todd Sheetsaholic on my hands, because tonight we are going to be talking about the newest Todd Sheets movie, Dreaming Purple Neon. Mark the Movie Man, have you become a Todd Sheetsaholic? <laughs> I'm not sure if I've become a Todd Sheetsaholic, but curiosity is just compelling me because of the volume of projects Todd Sheets has done over the years. It has just sparked my curiosity to dive into this pool, this well of films to see how they are, because I watched two of them during the Turkey challenge. One of them I didn't care for. One of them I thought was a blast. And I'm like, okay, I've, I've got to see more of these to get an idea of of these these films that Todd has just uh, been cranking out for 20 some years now. Yeah, I mean, shit, I think he's been doing movies since the 80s. Yeah, so at least 30 years uh, worth of films being churned out. So it, it's an, it's just this body of work. And I, I am just curious of how these films are, because like I said, one was up, one was down for me. So I'm like, I, I, I have to see more of these. And I, I know I'll be watching more of them uh, <laughs> just just because I'm like, I, I, I need to see more just because they 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 are are becoming a bit fascinating to me. Okay, so when you say fascinating, is it the same way in which when people talk to me and say something that I don't necessarily agree with, I go, hmm, that's interesting. <laughs> is it in that way, Mark? Or are you generally fascinated because you actually like these movies? I'm not sure yet if I fully like these films. I like... I like many, uh, a number, well, not many, but I like a number of aspects of the films uh, that I've seen so far of his. And some of them have more things that I enjoy in, than others. Uh, you know, was it uh, Nightmare Asylum? Uh, I enjoyed at least the gore effects that were in it. it. Blew me away, surprised the hell out of me for a film like that. Not much else of that film did I really care for. Whereas in Dominion, I just got a kick out of that script. And those the, it fucking bonkers, right? It was it was a different feeling where I think Nightmare Asylum in a very this is the difference we had kind of talked about on 
our one of our previous episodes for Shattered Dead, where there is a difference between the shot and video stuff that takes itself seriously and the shot and video stuff that goes balls to the wall and just goofy. And Nightmare Asylum falls into the previous category, correct? Yeah, I would say so. Yeah, it it felt like it was trying to be something more serious than than what it was, which was a film shot probably in about one night in a horror uh, in a haunted house, whereas Dominion, it just, it just wow. Uh, but yeah, it's it's tough to say. But like I said, the, the that's why I wanted to want to see more of Todd Sheets' work because I'm like, is he just trying different things? You know, is he throwing stuff like pasta against the wall and seeing what sticks? I think a lot of it is, is that the guy is just overflowing with ideas. Yeah. Like he wants to make a, a werewolf movie. So now his new movie, Bone Hill Road, is a werewolf movie. He wants to make a tripped out psychedelic demon movie, which Dreaming Purple Neon is. He wants to make a, a like a Night of the Demons movie, which was House of Forbidden Secrets. And, you know, he wants he has he does. He did a bunch of zombie movies. He did a big monster. He just like is such a voracious lover of the horror genre that he wants to make all these movies and he just can't yeah. stop. He's just one of these people that I don't think will ever be able to stop technical limitations and budgets be damned. Yep. He's, he's going to by God, make the damn movie he wants to make. And yeah, he do doesn't care. It, wait, this thing is, is day for night. Who gives a fuck? This thing isn't color corrected. Who gives a fuck? That thing looks like a prosthetic fake arm you got at Hollywood, uh, the Halloween spirit. Who gives a fuck? I'm going to make this goddamn movie. Yeah. So that's that's why I've I've started to seek out more of his stuff, because I am just I am beyond curious and fascinated by by these films, uh, you know, and the body of work that he has. It, it I, I want to dig deeper because I, I am curious. I am deeply curious of of these films and and which ones go where you know <laughs> oh man well mark let's just say this before we get into dreaming purple neon tonight's movie gave me a lot of conflicted emotions <laughs> <laughs> and i can tell and awkward tell. boners so <laughs> before we get in the let's take a music break here folks and when we come back we're gonna talk about the demonic possession psychedelic movie where lots of men with danglers and cold rooms are hanging out tearing people to shreds and dreaming purple neon Oh, oh, oh. 
Thirsty massacre of the innocent. Purple neon isn't created in a lab. No, no, no. It is harvested in one from them. Diabolical demons on the hunt for fresh human flesh. Dreaming purple neon. Nothing can prepare you for the onslaught of slaughter. <laughs> Uncut, unweighted, and unleashed. Dreaming purple neon. The last hope for humanity rests in the hands of a few trapped and terrified survivors. Now we're getting someplace. Everybody find a weapon. They were stuck in a situation with no escape. A satanic succubus on a splatter-filled rampage of total carnage. Purple Neon. You sure that bitch is okay, Mr. Archer? No children allowed. Now, Mark the Movie Man, seeing how you brought Dreaming Purple Neon to Astro Radio Z, I'm going to leave this task up to you. Because sure the fuck you. knows I can't fucking do it. What I the hell is like going on and what is the plot of Dreaming Purple Neon? I thought you liked me. Uh, okay. <laughs> Good oh. luck. May the okay. force be with you always. All right. So we have a story of a new drug on the street called uh, Purple Neon. And we are introduced to a dealer and his right hand man uh, who are having a bit of trouble with one of their employees. Well, he ends up dying. And 
their new employee that works for him, secretary, is made to clean up the mess or put in charge of it. Well, she realizes who these guys are. And so she goes on the run with some of their stash and she goes, visits her friend who is at a dentist office. And meanwhile, her friend is dealing with boyfriend problems. Her boyfriend just came in town and we get a, a kind of a random scene with him on the street in a Corvette with hot ladies. But anyway, uh, <laughs> he shows up and while her girlfriend is dealing with the boyfriend issues, the thugs have tracked them down to this dentist office. So now everybody's here, but unbeknownst to them in the basement of where the dentist office is, is where the man who's manufacturing purple neon is running his true motive, his true intentions with all of this stuff. And that is to bring about Abaddon, the demon and to take over the world and bring about the apocalypse and feed souls to Abaddon. And so we have this group of individuals who were against each other, who now have to try to work together and prevent the uh, apocalypse from happening uh, from this guy and the uh, demon with the horny boobs. The very horny boobs. Literally. And liter literally, folks, literally horns nipple, uh, horn for nipples. It's, it's mind boggling. She's very horny. Yeah, she's very horny. Cue my sound drop from vi video violence. <laughs> I see Gordon like that one. Dreaming Purple Neon ushers back the irreverent, goofy, gonzo form of Todd Sheets. It is a movie that if I'm going to give general thoughts on it, right on the onset here, is far more my wheelhouse. When it comes to Todd Sheets, when, it, when Todd Sheets tries to do serious horror films, they sometimes fall flat. They don't quite work because he's dealing with a lot of non-actors. Um, his budgets are very limited. But even in those situations, there's a lot of creativity and a lot of passion behind them. So you can kind of see them through when he goes balls to the fucking wall. I love Todd Sheets. And this is where when, when I was saying before in a previous segment where I had a lot of conflicting emotions about Dreaming Purple Neon, it comes to this. There are two different types of movie being mashed together in this. It's the goofy gonzo. I don't irreverent. I don't give a fuck Todd Sheets. And it's for some unknown reason, him wanting to have character development and in drama in a movie where the two best characters are these two African-American gangsters that just shit talk everyone. I love them. I love them. They, and they're some of the best acting to it as film. Dude, they carry this fucking movie. They are hilarious in show stealing in every fucking scene they're in. Every scene those two dudes are in is fucking gold. It is so good. And then when there's exposition scenes between any of the other actors, this movie fucking dies. It fucking dies. So I'm just like, I'm very conflicted. This movie's nearly two hours long. Yeah. Which for a Todd Sheets movie is way too fucking long. <laughs> there's no reason this is almost two hours fucking long. And this is where I'm, I'm like very conflicted because... If we were going to sit and look at this 
and I'm going to step outside of the movie itself and what my tastes are. All of the dramatic character building scenes. Gone. That shit should be all fucking just gone. And if this movie was just like a trauma style balls to the wall, just nonstop nonsense movie, this would be literally one of my favorite underground movies of the last five years. Because this movie is just that fucking crazy and that funny. But there's scenes in which a lot of the lead actors that we're supposed to sympathize with literally sit and just do information dumps forever and have exposition laden conversations that go on for five to ten minutes that almost kill this movie flat. Mark, what did you think overall about Dreaming Purple Neon? It did feel like there were two films going on um and the exposition scenes i don't mind exposition scenes especially in films like this they're kind of almost expected but they did go on a little long it felt like if there was some trimming you you would you'd get one of those really in this within this film there is a really crazy trauma-esque oh my god get your buddies together and drink and have a wild time film in here but a lot of it, I felt, could have been tri- – I knew what he was going for. It it felt kind of odd because a, all the crazy Gonzo stuff really works for this film. And, and what he, and it's out of left field, man. It, it's out of left field. Stuff comes up that really you just do not expect. But then we cut to – you know, we actually have some kind of development between uh, – her name, I think it was Denise – and and the boyfriend who came back in town and we get this sub this story in here, which really didn't need. <laughs> you didn't no. really need a whole lot of setup. There's a scene with him in a bar talking to his buddy. You didn't really there's there's a lot of extra uh, of fat on here that I, I think he's trying, you know, is just trying out to do character development. So he just didn't make a Gonzo film. Uh, but I. And so it felt me a little conflicted too. I still overall was digging this, uh, but I really felt it it went, that was probably my main complaint is that it went too long and some of the exposition scenes really needed to be trimmed, redone, or, or just cut out because you didn't really need them. Yeah, I think they could have all been excised. I think this is the perfect movie where, Less is more. Yeah. Where these these characters could have all been stock, stereotypical, one-note characters, and I would have been fine with it. Because the situation they're thrown in is so psychedelic, so, like, balls-to-the-wall, gory, overtly sexualized and surreal, that that's what carries the movie. It's not the plot. It's not the story. It's just how fucking wild this movie is. And if you get rid of all that heavy handed drama and characterization, this really would have been one of those insane trauma midnight movies. Mm-hmm. But at two hours long and all these scenes with all these characters, I like with Roundy's Neil Gaiman, that is, the, you know, the lead that is going back to like say good his final goodbyes to his former wife or former girlfriend who has moved on because for some unknown reason, he stayed building a house for them and vanished. Or I, 
I don't give a fuck about any of that. I don't give a fuck about any of that. And they, the, it just goes on for far too long. But every scene where those gangsters are just talking shit and beating people up and then demon, there's uh, big sequences of this movie that are in the basement of this dentist's office, which I thought was a very hilarious <laughs> um, setting for this uh, in the basement of the dentist's office. There are literal scenes that could have been taken out of um, the burning moon. Mm-hmm. When those hell sequences where people are just getting torn to shreds and they're just gore. And folks, if you don't like your movies heavy with a lot of danglers, <laughs> and what I mean by that is a lot of hanging cock. If you don't like movies with a lot of hanging cock, Dreaming Purple Neon is not for you. There's a lot of danglers in this fucking movie. And not all of them. I I I I'm sure the reason why some of these dudes agreed to do this is because they're behind masks so you can't see they wouldn't be shamed for the fact that obviously that room must have been ice cold because man they I felt sorry for all those dudes but it was cold I'm telling you they shot it in a cooler they shot it in a cooler <laughs> those poor guys the one guy he was under the impression that somebody had taken him aside and said hey man it always looks bigger when you shave it. <laughs> and that fucker lied to him. Fucking straight up lied to him because there's no. <laughs> I felt really bad for that. I don't mean to be such a dick, but man, those scenes, lots of danglers going on in those fucking scenes. Yeah, but, so, you know, that, that, that was part of the, that was kind of what was funny about it. It was just out of left field. You're like, whoa, okay. Everybody's naked in this scene, you know? And, I, I wish he could even and when we say you could cut out, you could even even just cut out this character development with it, it could have been retooled just slightly where we follow the two gangsters through this entire crazy situation. Oh, I wish they would have been the lead characters. I really do. I so wanted them to because I'm like, that would have made this so gold. If Dude, they, they were, were great actors, they like were. they literally took that dialogue that was given to them and punched it up so well. They were the saving grace of this movie beyond the gore and beyond the cold danglers. They were, they were the saving grace. I can't believe I just fucking said that. <laughs> they were the saving grace of this movie because I think when we were watching it, every time they're on screen, we were laughing out loud very oh, hard. Oh, those guys were great. They were great. And I wanted to see more of them. You know, I wanted to see them get through the entire film because I'm like, these are two characters. I, I, I didn't care about anybody else. I wanted to see these two guys make it all the way through because they were just well acted. You could tell they were just having so much fun with these roles and yeah, stole every scene they were in and they would have been perfect as the guys who are just thrown into this, you know, batshit crazy situation and and dealing with it the best they could you it's kind of like from from dust till dawn yeah where those two characters are thrown into this wild ass vampire movie out of nowhere i think it would have been a perfect like amalgamation of that you know where these two characters who are gangsters who are looking for their drugs and all of a sudden get stuck in this fucking labyrinth of hell awesome holy shit that would have been a great movie and you could still have these side characters in there just don't spend time trying to develop them because mm-hmm. in the end we mm-hmm. still didn't really care about about neil dime store neil gaiman and his girlfriend 
I, you know, you, that part of the film was one where I'm like, okay, I get what you're going for. But as far as the rest of the stuff you got going on here, this isn't really needed. You know, no. he could they could have just been a boyfriend, girlfriend couple uh, that were in the office that when the things happen, you know, when things go down. So, you know, you, mm-hmm. you could even just trim out some of those extra trying to develop the other characters. And man, you really, I think, would have it would elevate this film completely had those two, the two uh, guys, uh, characters gone all the way through the film and they were the leads leading the other people to try to get them out of the dentist office. Yeah, totally. Because all of the stuff that was happening underground, I mean, those people didn't really have to act per se. Mm -mm. They were just props with masks on and the shock value of their nudity and the gore that was happening and how surreal all of it is. And none of it kind of makes sense. And it's all kind of like thrown together. Um, It works and it has an energy to it. I mean, minute to minute when you're in those sequences, you don't know what's going to happen. And that's exciting. The moment you're stuck with these characters that are supposed to be the heroes. This movie just like flatlines. Yeah, because there's long periods of time, like especially towards the climax. For some reason, this movie starts building and you're stuck in hell for a while and you get to these scenes where they're supposed to be breathing, where these characters are supposed to be relieving some of that tension and they're they're talking to each other. There's there's one sequence in particular later in the film where um, is his name Ray Ray? Ray Ray. Yeah, he's he's, you know, is trying to find his way out so he can get help for Tyrone, his buddy who got captured, who's the main drug dealer um, selling purple neon. And he winds up, he's like, dude, I want to get the fuck out of here. I no longer want to be here. Let's work together. I'm walking around in circles. I can't find my way out. Something's fucked up going on here where all of a sudden they have these long conversations with the dentist and bootleg Neil Gaiman and all these other people where they're just like arguing with him about the morality of who he is as a person and what he did to them where it's just like, oh, shut the fuck up. Shut the just move the fuck on. None of that mattered. That like toward the end there, this movie could have went balls to the wall because it does. The final sequences of this movie are balls to the wall, which people, if you watch this through and you know me and you, you know f- my friend of the show and Russell Crap Radio veteran, Mr. Blade Braxton, he's in this goddamn motherfucking gimmick. He's in a wonderful scene where a dude dressed up as Gene Simmons starts <laughs> beating people up. Wonderful sequence, Blade Brax is there. I'm giving a hard shill for my bud, Blade Brax, and he's in this goddamn gimmick. But it goes fucking absolutely bonkers ape shit. If it would have just kept building that way and excise all this nonsense fat, this movie would have been fucking awesome. Would have been fucking awesome. Now let's go ahead and step outside of, you know, the things that didn't work for us. And we talked about, you know, some of the, <laughs> the kind of questionable things that are in this movie, which is quite plentiful. <laughs> I mean, this is a movie that's meant to push buttons. There's no doubt about it. The movie starts in for a Todd Sheets film, in which we've come to know him as somebody that has worked with very limited resources and made movies any way he could. Um, and he didn't care about necessarily the visual aesthetic more cared about the energy and the gags that were in the movie. Um, This movie starts off 
as a direct throwback to Grindhouse films. He has there are two opening credit like tags for film companies that are direct rips off of other people's <laughs> stuff. You know, they, there was the one that was the Shaw yep. Brothers. What was the other one, uh, Mark? I, I'm I, oh, I'm trying to think now. Uh, well, one was one was the Shaw Brothers. The other one was oh, I can't think of it now. Oh, uh, wish we had. A, I wish I had taken notes for this goddamn episode. <laughs> but anyways, there's direct references to other films in this movie right off the bat. It's letting you know this is a more playful movie. This isn't something that this is made by somebody who has a deep love and appreciation for the genre and for films that came before it. And it starts off with beautiful aerial drone footage. I mean, this stuff looks like a million bucks in it. And the, the font and the music has a direct callback to John Carpenter. I mean, it has su- it starts off with such a strong aesthetic right off the bat to where it really grabs you. What did you think about when you started watching this, Mark? And it starts off with this really slick opening credit sequence that it just looks like a major film. It didn't look like some cheap piece of shit. It looked like a legit film. What did you think of this? It, bl- it blew me away how it opened. I'm like, holy crap. I mean, the, the credits, everything, the, the drone shots, um, everything up until we get to uh, the guy coming out of the Corvette. Um, all this, the shots in that surprised the hell out of me for like, as you said, a Todd Sheets film, which is, you know, make the most of your micro budget and make it beyond your micro budget, um, type of approach. So yeah, it, it really has a sharp opening. Um, and, uh, just to backtrack a little, Derek, you're thinking of Marvel. He rips off Marvel. Oh yeah, that's right. There's the fake Marvel intro marvel and then it goes into a shaw brothers rip yeah yeah so uh but yeah these these opening scenes i mean and it's just establishing uh wide drone shots of over farm fields and uh the city and that but it looked so good it was like wow crisp high def like oh you know you're like holy crap (laughs) this is this is a todd sheets film this is going to be fucking awesome. And then the moment bootleg Neil Gaiman comes in, it's not color corrected to the rest of the footage. It looks cheap. And you're like, oh, we're back to a Todd Sheets movie. <laughs> oh, no. Oh, no. Oh, no. But so so in the beginning, I don't know if it was a conscious effort to me. It rang like it was a mistake. Like like they just didn't take the time to color correct this footage. Well, and, and after seeing that and then watching the whole film, it truly made me start to wonder if that footage was shot like after all the main guns, like he may have done a version of the film without that guy, (laughs) without that development in it. Oh, I wish they would have. Oh man. I'd love to see that cut. I'd love to see a a fucking fan cut of this where it excises all of that nonsense out of there. You could almost do it thinking about the way this film is shot. You, you could almost do it um, with because it doesn't really add much to pretty much any of the, the, the main crazy plot of this film. You could pro- possibly cut out a lot of those those extra scenes, scenes in the bar or whatever, you know, and you could still follow along what was going on and who the characters were, I think, personally. 
but yeah, it it opens fantastically, and then we get the shot of him walking on the streets for a while. But you did you were you hit it on the head though. The score really rings of John Carpenter early john carpenter especially which i was mm-hmm. i was digging quite a bit because i'm a big soundtrack guy and i'm like oh that's a cool soundtrack i'd get the soundtrack to this film yeah it was rad it was like it starts off very strong and then when you see that non-color corrected blue footage uh, it, it, out of continuity with the what we had just seen and then go right back to continuity just like oh man oh no <laughs> Oh, no. And I don't mean I don't when I say, oh, we're back to a Chad Sheets movie. I'm referring to the early days, yeah. like the stuff where he couldn't do that stuff, you know, and I don't want to dog Todd Sheets and because I actually like his movies a lot. I've seen a lot of them in through interviews of listening to him. He seems like a genuine dude. He seems like an awesome dude. So and he has a very humble view of what he makes and who he is as a filmmaker and i love him for it and um i I don't mean to be so mean-spirited about that but the moment i saw that go to mark oh no mark oh no this is almost two hours and this is what this is gonna be oh no well and then he had some scenes though that were corrected in balance and especially the interior shots where you had you know with the gangsters and even the dentist office and everything that actually looked fine it was just those shots where, like I said, they felt like add-on shots afterwards. Like maybe he threw those in and didn't have time to color correct them, you know, because of either deadlines of some sort or or what. Because they felt inserted compared to the way uh, some of the scenes in this film are done. They felt like they were added last minute almost. That's a possibility. I mean, this movie, if you had seen his previous movie, House of Forbidden Secrets, the two movies aesthetically feel very similar. Yeah, I've been they they look a lot alike. They kind of like are little long winded. Each of them, I think, it, which to me, the Todd Sheets of the 90s didn't want to make more than a 60 minute movie. Mm-hmm. Like the vast majority of that stuff is really short. And that's why a lot of it is kind of lived on because people just love short exploitation films. And these movies are just a little too long in the tooth for me. So I think, you know, if we were to, these would have been made back in the 90s, these would have been, I think a lot of that stuff would have been yeah. gone. Yeah, I, I I agree. A lot of the extra with, uh, <laughs> you call him <laughs> the, the Neil Gaiman guy. <laughs> Well, I don't, every time he popped up on screen, he has that shitty hat, that shitty beard. He looks just like him. I couldn't yeah. help it. I'm just like, I can't take this guy seriously. You know, you cut out most of that alone uh, and you shore up this movie. And and yeah, it's it would feel more like an earlier Sheets film, you know, and even some of those scenes we, we talked about it before, you know, Nightmare Asylum. A couple of the scenes in here also felt like it was a throwback to that in a good way um you know the way they were done it was like oh this feels kind of like nightmare asylum where he was kind of going through a haunted house when where he shot it and you know and that's where it felt like here but in in a good way like you said it didn't take away it 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 would fit within this film but uh, some of this stuff really didn't and yeah it makes me wonder if there was another cut of this film that he had and 
uh, he added these possibly at a last minute or had a different idea of the way he wanted to take it and then added these scenes because a lot of it felt added. Well, I don't know what the story is production wise Mm -hmm. of this movie whatsoever, so I couldn't speak to that at all. But um, I'm sure this was a very low budget. Mm -hmm. And this was this seemed like I didn't even realize who was making another movie when this came out, because I remember there was a long period of time where he was promoting House of Forbidden Secrets for a really, really long time. I mean, we had all seen it. It hit the festival circuits. Um, my bud blade was in that one too so i heard a lot about it through him and then all of a sudden this came out and i was just like what i i had no idea this was even being made um so it was kind of like a pleasant surprise to get something that felt like todd had it was like an exorcism it was just like man i need to fucking make something I, I need to just fucking go balls to the wall and just throw something out there fucking sense be damned logic be damned i just need to make a fucking movie and uh that's the kind of energy about this that i love now let's talk about the demon sequences and the Mm. gore in this movie now did you feel any of this went too far or did you like the fact that it literally went places that we weren't comfortable with like there are there are some gags in here folks there's a there's a scene where a dude literally has his crotch drilled out (laughs) That I was not expecting and I was not ready for. And when it happened, I'm like, holy fuck. What the fuck was Dude's that? Dude's still alive and he's getting drilled up the crotch with a drill. It's just like, what? wait, what? It's like, okay. But that's just like, you know, wait, she's actually got horns on her nipples what the hell or you know or or we get to yeah the gore part where suddenly there's most of these demons are human-like and then we just get this monster who's literally eating out a woman like Eating. Oh my god! Out of, they walk into a room, and he's just mouth. Oh my! And his close-ups, he's and just holy Jesus, chowing and gore and blood flying everywhere, and he's just chowing down like it's a five-dollar special at Golden Corral, and you know, <laughs> it's like wow. And there's all kinds of. There was the really cool creature too. Uh, I mentioned it while we were watching it. He had an actress who could walk backwards upside down you know uh and she had like body parts sticking out of her and she starts crawling up uh, the stairs of that it was pretty freaking just like wow it's like you weren't when they got down into the the hell basement if you will and they were in, in hell basically and and running across these various you did not know you just it, there's no way you can predict the things that you end up seeing down while they're in hell. You're just like, wait, no. Oh, wow. Okay. Oh, <laughs> you know? which makes all that stuff we complained about stick out yeah. like a sore thumb. Cause it felt out of place. It felt so out of place with the rest of this film, you know, <laughs> with the, exp- they, they'd stop in a room, you know, you get all this crazy visuals. You're like, Oh yeah. All right. Just don't stop. Don't stop. Oh, you stopped. And now you're talking to, <laughs> Oh, you just did that. God damn just, it. Ah, oh, now you stopped and you're talking again. And this is the second time you've told someone to look around the room for weapons. Um, 
you, you know, and then they go back into the hallways, try to escape. But then you just see some more gonzo crazy, just like, what the hell? You know, they, it's it's really up and down as far as that goes. Yeah. Extended sequences where somebody's lying on an altar getting gutted and people are chomping on the guts and people are like spewing green green ooze out of their mouths out of a mask. I mean, scenes like this go on for like 10 minutes where it's just like, this is fucking nonsense. What is this? So for fans of low budget, extreme gore and just weirdness, this movie, it just delivers in fucking spades. I mean, there's just so much of it. Um, Mark, other than what we had talked about with some of the pacing issues and stuff like that, was there anything else in this movie that stuck out as, like a sore thumb to you? Or were you pretty happy other than what we had talked about? Other than what we talked about, I was very happy and surprised, in all honesty. I'm like, holy crap. You know, th- this felt like y- you get to those crazy parts. It felt like now I haven't had a lot of experience, but just the short experience I've had with Todd Sheet Films, I'm like, well, th- this feels this is what I was expecting. And I'm I'm enjoying it because this is what I wanted. <laughs> I wanted to be unexpected. I wanted to be tossed in some kind of uncomfortable situation, and just I wanted that what the fuck moment. Yeah, that's a great way to fucking. If you're gonna d- describe Dreaming Purple Neon, it's what the fuck. Yeah, you know, and, and so those bits, even though there were parts as we mentioned here that I that were a bit tough to get through. These bits do make up for it, I will say. And and be, between those bits and the two characters, uh, and those, that's uh, Ray Ray and Tyrone. Uh, Tyrone's played by Ricky Farr, and Ray Ray's played by Antoine uh, Steele. Those characters, man, I, I <laughs> there's a lot more good going on in this film than there is not so good. Uh, I think in this in this uh, movie and. Yeah, it's it's uh, not not much else stood out for me outside of the stuff we talked about, really. Um, yeah, you know, I, I, and uh, yeah, it's it's what you you see Todd Sheets' film, and the majority of this film is a definitely straight up. Yeah, <laughs> it's it's you watch the trailer for the film, you get those those crazy bits in the trailer. Yeah, those are just the scraping of the surface. Yeah, there's no way you could ever predict what's going on in this. And I think fans, it's very, you can tell that it was a very concerted effort on his part to make one of the quote unquote grindhouse movies. Yeah. I mean, the aesthetic, what he was going for, the way that the, the text is, um, the way that there's like film overlays and stuff like that. I think, you know, he wanted to make one of these throwback grind, quote unquote, grindhouse movies. We know that that label and that term is total bullshit. <laughs> but obviously, in the in the last 10 years, we we had with Tarantino's movie and the subsequent knockoffs like fucking Hobo with a shotgun and all that fucking nonsense. There is a new there was a new jo- genre made mm-hmm. the pseudo grindhouse movie, because we all know that grindhouse wasn't a genre it was a place yeah 
So this was a total manufactured <laughs> genre. And I think he wanted that's what this was, was him wanting to make one of those movies that was just unapologetically out there. Mm-hmm. And for the most part, I would say 70 percent succeeded. So if you're a fan of some of those movies and you like Todd Sheets movies, I think you'll find enough here to to like. If you're not so much into those movies, I have a feeling and this is the way that I got um, because there's not a ton to talk about with this movie. It's a pretty and this is not to, uh, to like denigrate it. It's a pretty shallow movie. It's a it's a movie that is meant for you. It's supposed to be a midnight movie. It's supposed to you just have fun with it. And I love movies like that. There's nothing wrong with it. You go into it. You're expecting a weird, subversive, um, outsider, extreme movie. And you get mm-hmm. it. <laughs> so having said that, though, I th- I have a feeling the people that are not so into that, that may like um, underground outsider movies they may find some of the bits that we complained about really tough to swallow. And I think towards the end of this movie, when those parts started compiling more and more, I, I know Mark can probably attest to this in our screening when we were watching it. I was starting to like lose interest mm-hmm. in the movie. I was just like, how much is left of this, Mark? This is killing me. I'm fading fast. I'm fading real fast. Cause at the beginning I'm like, Holy fuck, this is awesome. What, what is this? And then toward the end, I was just kind of like, oh, man. Uh, how? So I have a feeling your mileage will vary with this one of Todd Sheets films. I think it's one of the better ones. Mark, final thoughts. Yeah, uh, I would say overall, I was very uh, happy that I got a chance to see it. I, I enjoyed it overall, even though we did mention the bits in between, uh, you know, the bits that were weak and, and kind of took us away from the film for me. The other parts of this film made up for that to where when later on near the getting near the climax, when we would get one of those scenes, I'm like, okay, I can get through this because we're just going to get something that, oh my God. And, you know, (laughs) and then then you get that. So yeah, I would, I definitely agree. If you're, you're a fan of, of Todd Sheets, if you're a fan of kind of that subversive crazy, what the hell am I going to see next film? And you it just let you know, there are probably some parts that might be a bit rough for you to get through, but it, it's worth it because yeah, that end, especially it just, you're just like, what the hell? Um, and, and yeah, it's it, overall of the few that Tachit's films that I've seen, I, I've been mean, I was hoping to see House of Forbidden Secrets because I had seen that talked about a lot in the indie circles. Um, but this film, yeah, I'd, I'd recommend it not to the casual grindhouse. Oh, look, you know, you're probably, yeah, not going to dig it. But if you're just looking for something that has a whole lot of crazy ass visuals and the gore, in this film is insane. The amount of copious blood and piles of just visceral parts. Uh, yeah, I think there's there's a lot here to enjoy in this film. And, and the positives, for me, outweigh the negatives at the end. I didn't feel like I wasted my time. Yeah, man, I'll tell you. I, this is the kind of movie I would love to recommend as a party movie. I really want to recommend this as a party movie, but I, 
I have a feeling it could be a party killer in some ways because of those sequences that just drag the movie. Mm-hmm. You know, if I if I could do a cut down of this, man, <laughs> I would love it. I would love it. This would be a showstopper. I think people would love this fucking movie. And they may. I mean, like I said, your mileage will vary. But for my buck, some of those draggy sequences just I can't recommend it in that capacity. So especially the end, we really didn't talk about it. There's this it's the apocalypse and there is some fucking CG stuff that's done in it for a Todd Sheets movie. I was blown away. (laughs) I'm like. Holy oh, when the fuck. building when when it I, was the top like drone shot of the cityscape and the, the skyscrapers were starting to fall. I was like, hot damn, that's a really good looking scene right there. Dude, they did an awesome job. It was fucking awesome. <laughs> so yeah, that's it's that kind of movie. It's I'm very conflicted. Like on one hand, I want to wholeheartedly recommend this. And on the other hand, I'm just kind of like, I have a feeling a lot of people might just kind of go, uh, this is kind of boring. Uh, so 50 50 for me mark what are you at i'm a little bit better uh but that's just me i'd say about about uh 75 25 (laughs) uh all right that's fair uh like i said the 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 stuff that stuck with me is going to stick with me for a while and makes me enjoy it enough to where i can get over especially now after having watched it once i can get over uh, uh, some of those other scenes because I'm just like, oh, I know what's coming. <laughs> you, know? <laughs> you know, it's like, holy crap. And it's Mark the movie man. Yeah, that's who's coming. <laughs> well, it's the horns. It's it's the horny nipples. It's, you know, it uh, just wood, you know, literal wood. Oh, my gosh. Oh, my gosh, Mark. So you have another Todd Sheets film in your back pocket. Do you want to watch more of these for the show, Mark? I'd be down to watching more Todd Sheets films. Yes. Okay. And somewhere down the road, Mark, you and I will do another Todd Sheets movie. I think, you know, you've, you've gotten the taste for Todd now. You need to see some more. Well, that's it, folks. Mark recommends this one a little more than me, but, you know, I think Astro Radio Z fans, the the real hardened ghouls, they'll get into this movie. This is This is a ghoul movie for sure. There's there's no doubt about it. So that's it for this episode. Mark the movie man. This is the portion of the show where my guest shamelessly shows the fuck out of you. Shill it. Specialmarkproductions.com. You can get to all my stuff there. Uh, and from there, you can find me on the Twitters, specialmarkpro, Instagram at specialmarkprod. Uh, my YouTube link is at specialmarkproductions.com. You can go there. You can also find episodes of the Spoiler Room podcast. And uh, some other links to I'll be posting soon of uh, small video projects I've done. I haven't actually put those on the website at all. And there's festival coverage as well as when I go to the Oshkosh Horror Fest and such. So all that stuff is right there from the website. Best place to go. All right, folks. Until next episode, please. If somebody asks you if you would like to screw, do not let them put a drill by your crotch. Absolutely don't. I I do not recommend it. You can find Astro Radio Z on iTunes, Stitcher, TuneIn, Google Play, YouTube, and anywhere podcasts are found. Please... Help us by subscribing, rating the show, and giving us a review. 
It helps us get the show out to more listeners. Also, if you would like to hear more of the show and be a more active participant, join the Astro Radio Z Facebook group and page, and join the Patreon. For only $1 a month, you get bonus episodes. Thank you for listening. See you next week Astro Zombies. So baby